All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is, uh, well, yeah, it's still technically the Outdoor Burrito. Uh, we haven't came up with a new name for it yet. Well, that's because you guys really haven't given us any better suggestions than the Outdoor Burrito. We've had some good ones. But we have a very special guest today. A very, very special one from a land far, far away. From the land down under. Is there a song like that? I came from a land down under. And there you go. <laughs> I, was hoping, I, was waiting, I was hoping someone was going to do it. I couldn't quite get the right beat for it. Uh, and we are just coming off of our fifth Elite Series event of the season here at Lake Fork. Uh, I don't even remember what place you finished. 30-something. 30 31st. Nearly 20-something. Well above middle of the pack. But... He is, has one of the coolest stories out of anybody in the entire bass fishing world uh, and probably had to work the hardest and arguably possibly spend the most money just to stay in this country. So we're going to get a lot of that coming up here soon. Uh, but with no further ado, everybody, welcome in one of my best friends, Carl Jockelmson. Jockham, son. Welcome, dude. Where's the clap like thing? No, have been well, is, we need like a. <laughs> no, <laughs> not that one. Well, the problem Just is roaring is crowd. We we don't podcast enough to exactly remember which ones are that which. Was and I don't have a guess. Yeah. yeah, Carl seemed to know where that one was. <laughs> yeah, he just got lucky on that one. He's used to hearing that one when he says some joke. Yeah, anything. But. Yeah, thanks for having us uh, on. Yeah, I want to kind of talk about, uh, we'll get into your story later, but I want to talk about your week here at Lake Fork because we talk every single day during practice. um, And and I knew knew what you were doing, you knew what I was doing, um, and they were really two completely different things going into this event, which kind of speaks to how Lake Fork was fishing this week. It was when I did the interviews kind of pregame going up to this uh, with some of the writers for Bassmaster, they were having a hard time understanding what I was talking about when I said it's going to fish very small and very spread out. Yeah. And mm. they, they couldn't grasp that concept. But uh, what I was meaning by that is that you have all these fish that are doing different things there's going to be groups of guys that are fishing shallow on top of each other, guys that are fishing deep on top of each other, yeah. and then guys that are fishing in that mid-depth zone that are also going to be sharing water. Yeah. So you have all the you have these different groups, so it spreads the field out somewhat evenly, but not all the fish are doing one thing, and so there's not enough of them to spread out those groups of guys yeah. amongst them. And I saw that on the deeper bite side of things where a lot of the places I wanted to fish, uh, we just didn't, I didn't have like, I didn't have enough places where I could just run to and not have a boat on them. Yeah. Um, and we're going to talk to Josh Douglas probably on the next podcast. And he was one of the guys that was on <laughs> one of my favorite places after practice. And I never fished it until day four of the tournament, but we'll talk to him about that later. Did you see that? on on the pattern so kind of go into how you approached lake fork what you had found uh, 
kind of like how you got on that and then did you see that setup like where you were sharing water with guys doing a similar thing yeah i probably um i think like everything was it was it was concerning because of like how quickly i know these fish just go like from one foot of water to like 30 like see you later like i seen it happen from years and years ago and even when i was here um when you guys fished the ttbc and just everything i'd follow i'm like these fish just kind of just want to get out of there they're just like gone and then so we get record high heat you know all week and so everything was just lining up to be like the fish are just going to be deep 100 percent um but sort of known that like there's only a it's not like a lake where you, there's just a ton of there's just all these sneaky spots and a ton of different stuff that you can find yourself it just seems to be very community almost a little bit to where unless you had those couple sneaky ones you're gonna end up on top of each other mm-hmm. and so i sort of my heart wasn't in to get in amongst that as much because I just don't know the lake well enough offshore, don't have enough spots in Arsenal. So I kind of like my heart was like, find something different. And, um, and then I don't know what day I found that the jig bite, but I got up shallow and I saw bluegill beds. Day two probably. Yeah. Right? That day two. Saw some bluegill beds, saw fish up shallow, found that like wolf pack, big one ate a top water, had like uh, 10 big ones with it. So I started realizing like there's still fish shallow and it had gotten hot water temperate and then they were staying there. And then I'd seen enough bluegill that were staying there. But the the big one was day two. I got out on this bit of a deeper sort of hump, a lot of timber. And there was fry all over the tops of the stumps. So I started to put together that the bass had only just spawned really. And there was nowhere else. There was nowhere for them to put their fry. So they'd put them the fry on the tops of these stumps in like from 18 feet to six feet. There was just balls of fry around the tops of these stumps. And then I caught two fish before I kind of seen that. I just flipped a three quarter inch jig up and it just like sort of never hit the bottom. I caught an eight and a four and I'm like, okay, there's, this is, there's something to this. And then I seen bluegill swim up mm-hmm. the tree, eat the fry and swim back down. And that's when it clicked. I was like, okay. So you think they're bass fry? Yeah, that's what, yeah, I think they were eat the hunt. It had to be. That's what yeah. it looked like. It was big clouds. And I don't think they were guarding them. I think they'd put them there. There might be the odd one guarding them, but yeah. from waving on live, they were sitting down about seven feet. So it was all, I was putting it all together with live and everything because you see the fry, the bluegill are eating the fly and the fry, and then the bass are sitting down there eight feet below yeah. them just waiting for that bluegill to go a little bit too far or they probably just come up when they want to feed and eat one it's almost like a bait and switch they like put their fry there yeah so the bluegill would come <laughs> yeah. and then they're eating the bluegill <laughs> you thought you were winning now <laughs> this is what it was a trap yeah exactly <laughs> it was a trap. It's an entrapment and so like i loved to, to put that together to be like that's what's happening you know like hate when you're sort of finding something you're like why are they we you know why are these fish here what what's what are they doing yeah. where I was able to be like, this is a thing. And then once I started to go and go and go, I started to get more and more dialed in with it. And, uh, you know, you were, you were finding small school, you know, those sneaky spots and catching them offshore. And I was just like, I just couldn't get it enough to where I was like, even if I find a couple, 
I'm they, I'm don't know if I'm going to get there. Then I'm going to get yeah. into it with whoever's there. It's going to be rough. And then where do I go? And then so I just kept expanding on what I'd found, different areas where the fish were. And then I I realized I could do it all over the lake. And uh, I just got dialed in enough where I was kind of like, this is what I'm going to do. And then the uh, the sort of the um, what would you say the the spanner got thrown when the wind came. That's when it threw it all off. I would have had like yeah. a much better tournament. And when the what came? The wind. No, what did you say before that? The threw a spanner. Spanner <laughs> threw I a heard spanner, the spanner in it. Too. Is that Aussie like a, that is a hundred percent Aussie term. What does that mean? Like threw a wrench in the okay. Wrench. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, threw threw a there's a gonna be a lot of those yeah. in this. <laughs> So I threw I've spent a, a lot of time with him, and I haven't, no heard, spanner. I haven't heard spanner. <laughs> You've heard no. bitumen and not yeah. spanner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's a new so, one. Yeah. So the what what happened during the tournament is the wind basically came, blew you know twenty five to thirty, and then it made it. I was getting in inside thick timber. I think it blew the fry away. The bluegill mm. moved, but like the weirdest thing that I don't know what happened, and you might even know more, is what happened is I'd figured out that the fish were on the timber between like 15 and like 10 feet was kind of the shallower. They were sort of like in that deeper one, they were mm-hmm. suspended. And um, day one, I'm not catching them. I'm not in any, no, none of the areas that I'd caught them in. Can't catch a fish. And then I slide up shallower and shallower. I get to like six feet and I hook a six pounder mm-hmm. and it, it jumps off. And then I'm like, because it got off, that's one weird thing that we all go through is like you miss a fish, you lose it, and then you seem to like, if you landed it, you would have continued onto that pattern and got all this confidence. You lose yeah. it. You're like, I think it was kind of just a fluke. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, you're just like, well, it got off. It was just a random one. Then you don't. And so I flipped like a dozen more six-foot trees and went, okay, back out to 10 feet where I should have flipped 150 trees at six foot and I would have got back onto it again. And so end up scrambling that day and catching 15 pounds and I'm sitting in 63rd. And so day two comes around, same wind, same everything, and I I just – I start getting into that pattern of like trying to find that offshore bite. And in my mind, if I'm not going for the wind, like I don't even want to be fishing. That's yeah. how I've always had it. I'm like, I have to be doing something that's going to win right now. I need to catch 30 pounds and get back in this. Yeah. And that has hurt me probably more times and helped me, <laughs> but it's also helped me win my one that not many people yeah. get to do and things like that. But this is the switch that changed. It was one thirty, and I was like, I had three fish. And this and is I'm day like, two. This is day two. Yeah, so now I'm day one. You weigh, you lost was, the six. Yeah, weighed like fourteen Ward, pounds. Yeah, yeah, almost fifteen. What so place were you sitting 60, in day one? Sixty third. Sixty third. Yeah. So I'm like close to the bottom of the pack, and now it's day two. Same conditions. I've run a lot of different stuff. Fished my jig stuff. Caught three. Lost another big one. So I had three bites on the jig, but then. It, in my mind, I was like, the only way to catch 30 is like get off the bank, catch them on a deep crankbait, like find them. So now yeah. I'm jumping, I'm fi- I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm jumping around, I'm fishing half the lake and I'm doing all these things that I'm like not confident in, but I know this is how it's probably going to get one. And if I can just get lucky and find this school, like it can happen in two seconds. And then it just hit me. I'm like, I've just done this so many times where this one event has like put me back into a hole where like I should have just finished the limit. Like what's it, what do, what do you call it? Not laying up, but like knowing that 
This isn't your one. This isn't your one to win. You're not on it. Save this one now and and get back in the game. And I was like, every single cast I was making, I just didn't even know if I was going to catch a bass. But when I was flipping a jig, I had the gut feel like this can just, I know what I'm doing. If there's a bass there, I know how to snap it and get one to eat. And there is fish still doing it. And so it's 1.30, I'm doing it 3.20, and I just bail on everything. I go, I'm going to catch my limit now, and I'm going to save this tournament and have like a top 50, still decent points, get one of the – get a decent check. If and But if they bite, I can jump in there. Yeah. Like I wasn't just fully just giving up. I'm like, no, I'm going to still have a go. No, but you're making an educated move. Educated move. Like, yep. That. I'm like, hey, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm confident in. This is what I feel like gives me the best opportunity to catch the most weight possible today. Yeah. yeah what I'm, a, exactly. I'm not doing it offshore. I'm looking. I'm not finding it. I'm not, for whatever reason, like, you're just not finding those yeah. offshore fish. There weren't yeah. that many of yeah. them. Uh, and, and I, like, that's, to me, like, watching your career and then watching this event and, live, like, living it kind of with you because yeah. I hear the stories and, like, how it processes in your mind was probably to me one of your biggest turning points yeah in your career you know even though you've already like won a blue trophy but to have that mindset to to say okay like i i'm not like i've dug myself in a hole yeah and i'm gonna dig myself out of it the crazy part is that you did it doing the exact same thing yeah like day one day two I think the biggest lesson is, and we talked about this, I think even after day two, and I'll let you keep going with your story because it'll explain it more, but like paying attention to those clues, whether you land that fish or not on day one. Yeah. Yeah. That was the lesson. Like that was the clue. Yeah. But it It, didn't click. They told me, they told me here I am. And I'm like, "Ah, you know, you still something was like, had such a good practice that it's like no they're out there yeah. intend this is where they this is where they were like and the and the funny thing about that is and i just now thought of this i didn't think about it earlier um but if we go back to the last elite event at chickamauga on day one it's essentially the exact opposite story of you and i in this event yeah right because yeah. day one there i lost a giant on the That's glide what, yeah er, first thing it. And you land a seven plus first thing, and then you just go glide the rest yep. of the day, and you weigh twenty four plus pounds. No doubt that this is in the crushing. deal. Like I'm this, I'm throwing this yeah. rest of the day. There's nothing's gonna stop me. Yeah, like, like, this, this is yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. And then you crush them, and you I'm get like, the yeah. same bite. <sighs> Maybe lose that bite and be like, they're not biting it yeah. that good. Like that's yeah. why it came off, or like <laughs> it's just yep. got that one lucky bite and it fell off, so it didn't mean anything. Yeah. I don't know what it is about losing that fish. It's happened so many times to so many people that it just you lose your confidence in whatever that is. Yeah. So here you are. You're you have three bass. Yeah. You have two hours left to weigh in. Yeah. You're sitting in the sixties in this event. And and so like what like you made that decision, but like was that because you felt like your back was against the wall? Like was it yeah. this event? Was it the season like the overall points like what was that deciding factor that ultimately just said like this is what like i need to go do this yeah it i think it was like i was like 
this is how I know how to catch a bass. Yeah. That's what was the sign. I'm like, go and do what you know how to go and catch a bass. Yeah. I know if I do this for the next two hours, I'm going to get two more bites. Yeah. And no, I the, yeah, not kind of open the rest of the yeah. dark talk. Like, what, I don't care else, what everyone else is ex- doing. And even that hurt me a little bit. Just yeah. not dog talk, just lake fork. <laughs> like, yeah, the history. It was of it. supposed to be, it was going to look like tuna fishermen, just like, <laughs> just flicking him into the boat, you know? And I'm like, you're flipping a jig and you're not getting a bite for a long time. You're like, yeah. your whole, your mind's just going, they're crushing them, they're crushing them, mm-hmm. they're crushing them. Where like, should have just slowed down and did my thing. And I lost like that little bit of confidence, even though that six pounder tried to tell me that they were up a little bit shallower. Um, so it was just like, don't, bomb this tournament trying to win it when it's mm-hmm. not even really winnable for me where I'm at and and I'm I'm good in the points I'm the best of it like almost ever been in the points now it's like just get back in and save this tournament yeah. so we can just get back rolling again and so it's that thing of like when you're fishing you know like you're like wondering if you're going to get a bite as soon as I was flipping a jig I'm like I'm going to get a bite. It's a different, yeah. it was a different, it's a different feel. So like I felt comfortable. I was like, okay, just fish like this because I'm, I, I feel confident yeah. fishing like this to the end. If I crank and do all this stuff and I don't get a bite, I'm going to be, I knew that's kind of how I decided at the end of this day, am I going to be mad that I tried to find cranking fish that I hadn't found in three days of practice yeah. and I tried to do it in the last three hours of a tournament mm-hmm. or am I going to be like, I did what I know how to do and had figured out and it didn't work out. Yeah. I'll be happier with that. Cause I made, so that's what I went and did and, um, jumped around the corner. I fished all new water, nothing that I'd fished. I just started fishing new water and I just like thought about it, slide in pockets, you know, closest to the main lake fish working their way out of the pockets, found the biggest trees, slid up to six feet of water and then found a good tree pitched up there, snapped it up. And what I was seeing is the fish were following the jig to the bottom, but they weren't eating it. And then I figured out to like snap it in front of their face, get a reaction yeah. bite and did that. And I caught a five fifteen, and then like, it's just like a light bulb goes yeah, off. So it went click Ding. and it was like, I blinked and I had 25 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> the light bulb went off and felt just like that bite. Yeah. In your, that yeah. bite you felt in your hand, that light bulb went off in your head and you're like, and here and, we go. And this it's is, on. Yeah, and that's what I need. <laughs> now to it's do. on. Yeah. And literally I just went, just I looked up and I seen another big the biggest stump in that whole line. And I pitched at everything pretty quick and I got to that and I just eased up to it, slowed up, and I just made the perfect cast, got to the bottom, snap, donk, four eleven, put in the bot you know, weighed it, jumped, jumped over the other side, worked my way along, saw a big stump, eased up to it, threw it, caught another five fifteen. Like it was just it was the funnest bite, and, and then I'm just having a blast, and, you know, you're just having fun, you're just fishing, and, like, everything happens yeah. then. And, yeah, nearly 25 pounds and jumped into 33rd and made the cut. Yeah. <laughs> Caught him again day three and yep. jumped up a couple 30, more places. A couple more places and finished 31st, yeah. jumped up in AOY, got a good check, like, things yeah. are rolling. <laughs> it's yeah. like God, All it's because crazy. of that one decision. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like, you could have turned – you turn right and you make the right decision, you turn left and it's the wrong one, and yeah, you just – miss it i mean that's did you have a lot of guys fishing that like there were a lot of guys doing that similar pattern i've yeah. seen guys posting yeah. videos of fish catches yeah. that were there were actually way more guys doing that that than what i had expected i know they got uh, onto uh, it on the final day 
Like, it was like th- two days of idling for everyone, and I'm like, I've got this to myself. Like, yeah. this is crazy. Like, I was having the best practice ever, like, everywhere uh, in the afternoons, and mm. you were getting bites in the afternoons too, like, kind of everyone was. Yeah. Like, in the afternoons, I was like, this is getting stupid. Like, yeah. I'm just trying to shake fish off, and they're break- breaking me off, and it's just getting crazy. But then – that day three, everyone was the people that were like, I haven't found anything. I yeah. need to go fishing. They all flipped timber and they went, donk, 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 all got bites. And I was like, I could see them doing, I'm like, ah, oh, I'm not going to have it. But there's just so much in here that me doing it day one and day two, instead of idling all those days, got me way more dialed in than yeah. what they did. Like I understood that the bluegill were on the trees, mm-hmm. the fry were there. Like I'd found all of that. So my confidence was like yeah. higher and I'd figured the snap bite, the reaction, all of that half ounce in the shallow water, three quarter ounce deep out deeper, the trailer, the color. Like you knew why I knew why and yeah. when, and I had the confidence in my, mm-hmm. in my setup because there was flippers and jig fishermen mm-hmm. that didn't catch them that should be, yeah. you know what I mean? That like had really bad events that did that the whole time. But yeah. like they had missed those little clues and just flipped timber and weren't doing exactly, you know, what they were doing. Those fish biting early in practice got me clued in like how many fish were there and why they mm-hmm. were doing it. Yeah, that's crazy. It's interesting to hear you talk about like that confidence too. Like as an angler, like being confident in what you found but also that balance of like being able to adapt. But yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a fine line of being confident Hot-headed. in what you have. But then when you see other guys doing something else or like success and like you see in the weight line, you know someone's doing something else different than you kind of like creeps into your head how like yeah. the psychological side of fishing is like, am I really doing the right thing? Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah, but then you exactly. also like, you kind of went back to the adapting bit too by understanding like, oh, okay, I can like, bump over to this and kind of figure out how to fish that a little different, the snap, those kind of things. It's interesting. Yeah. It's all, it's like all confidence, you know, that's what it is. It's like whatever you choose, do it with everything you've got, like with every bit of confidence, like no matter what you choose to do, do it with every bit of confidence. Cause if you do it half heartedly and try and it just doesn't work. Like you just, you know, and the history too. You know, yeah. you had brought that up, the history of Lake Fork of, like, yeah. what it's capable of. Yeah, you know, like, how fast you can catch them offshore, like, when yeah. they move offshore in these giant groups. But And the, it's 95 that, degrees and you're flipping in six yeah. foot of water. You're like, what yeah. am I doing right now? Like, Some of the guys caught them shallower than that. Yeah, like, they caught them way up on the yeah. bank. I talked to Matt Heron this morning. He mm. said he caught his 22 pounds on day two in a foot of water. Yeah. And, but it... I was trying to wrap my head around like, okay, why did that happen? Right. Because all the signs lead, like if you read the book, you're like, everything's going deep. Yeah. And so it's like, what, how, how did that happen? Or why did that happen? Why did those fish continue to move shallow? Um, And the only thing that I can figure out is that we had a full moon. Yeah. uh, And so I, feel like that held some fish shallow there yeah. was still kind of that last wave of late spawners yep. happening so some of those fish were probably spawning around some of those shallower trees right six yeah. foot or less mm-hmm. were probably some of those last spawners with that full moon and then i think that also created you, you had like the tail end of the shad spawn yeah so those fish were using those trees kind of Cover. as like the first place but then you also had this group of fish that had spawned super early on, had moved out, and then I think you had 
kind of the beginning of the brim bed deal happening where you had this full moon and you had this kind of wave of bluegill that were moving up to spawn. And some of your biggest bass in the entire lake are going to be those bluegill eaters. You know, that's what swindle caught. Yeah. It may not be 29 pound bags off one bluegill bed. May not be your biggest population of fish in the lake, but a lot of your biggest ones do. And when you're on a place like Lake Fork, well, you need big ones. You need that bigger than average size fish yeah and so i mean i just that's the only thing that i could make sense of it right is like you had you had enough fish that were still held up shallow that it it it, and enough like scenarios going on that it some of those fish came back and some of them just never left yeah all the way because things were a little bit behind and later and it is amazing to see how many guys like there were more seven plus pound fish caught flipping trees than there was winding a crankbait out deep yeah it's crazy for sure in 95 degree heat yeah yeah just up there in the dirt ready to eat but what what was mind-blowing to me is that when i was here in april every one of those fish you saw on those trees would eat a glide bait (laughs) but you come back a month later they're still positioned very similar yeah they just follow it. Yeah. Won't eat it. Yeah. And I and it wasn't like I just threw one glide. I mean, I tried different sizes, colors, different shapes. I yeah. mean, different sink rates, like different retrieves, That's, everything. And they just why why is that not reacting? Is like it just the 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 thing that I've like learned and like that I know is how how much fish get dialed into what they're eating is those bluegill were going up and down, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so. They know that bluegill aren't swimming away off that tree. If they do, they'll get eaten. They don't want to, bluegill aren't going to leave the tree. So they're going up and eat, up and down. So those fish are used to that. When the thing swims away, they just let it go. Yeah. Because the food's coming on top of them. So a lot of people ask them, why didn't you swim a jig or do this? It's like anything that was moving across ways, they did, they would follow it for a second and head back to the tree. But if it fell on their head, that was a bluegill that went a little bit too far and it was an easy meal and they just, they just ate it. Had to and move it, vertical. Yeah. yeah. So it was a vertical presentation because that's what the bluegill were doing, which is just like crazy. Like that's how dialed in before when Brandon was here yeah. a month ago, shad were probably passing the tree yeah. and they were racing out off the tree and eating it. So when the glide went, they got it. And then in a month later, things changed where the bluegill are coming down on top of them, sure. so they're not willing to swim off the tree. So crazy! Something. It's weird how like fish like you don't we don't understand like I don't at least yeah. understand the psychology, but it, like they do recognize patterns of like what is easier, what is the like the bait yeah. that yeah. they want to eat. Well, they're an opportunistic feeder, yeah, right, and they're just a product of their environment, and that's one of the hardest things for people to adjust to. Usually, is the fact that like we live our lives in such a different way than what they do, right? Our lives are based off of a 365-day-a-year calendar and, and a 24-hour time clock where that's not theirs, right? Like their lives are based on the sun goes up and the sun goes down and yeah. whatever Mother Nature throws them, right? And so they're constantly adapting every hour just to survive based on whatever those conditions are thrown at them. And so you can't look at it and say, oh, well, it's the third week of May in East Texas. I have to go do this. Yeah. Because two months ago, it may have been freezing cold. And so that 
that delayed everything. And so now the third week of May is actually more like the last week of April. And, you know, so you have all of these factors that happen hourly, but then there's also like the weekly weather factor into it. And like, yeah. did that dirty up the water? Did you have wind yeah. or rain? And, and then you have like the factors in the last month and within the last year. And, you know, there's, yeah. there's so many variables that they're constantly adjusting to that we're not accustomed to. Yeah. We and just it, go to the fridge and it's there. Yeah. And it's just in there every <laughs> we day of life. We go, we go to the, the grocery store and it's available. Yeah. That, the thing about a largemouth is like, I've caught different species, you know, all over Australia and here. The largemouth to me is like, they only think about food and they set themselves up in the exact position by the minute for exactly where they need to be to make themselves like the ultimate predator. That's what I love about them. Like they don't wait for the weather to pass and then eat or whatever. They're like, wind's blowing here. And that's what makes them most annoying. Same with smallmouth is because like just the wind changing makes them go, now I'm going to go over here and set up here because this is Mm -hmm. way more perfect. And then it's like cloud cover, shallow. And then it's like sun comes out, pile up on this little spot. It's like ultimate position to get ultimate food like every single minute of the day yeah they're gonna make babies for three days yeah and they're gonna eat eat the rest for 362 (laughs) and then you guys have to try to solve that problem yeah Yeah. you're i mean we're pretty much mathematicians i wouldn't i wouldn't go that far but you know we're all like at least for calculus majors (laughs) pretty much something like that (laughs) scientists biologists yeah pretty much the smartest like human being you can get yeah. if, you, if you had to break it down maybe that's why you couldn't catch a bass yesterday we're not gonna that, go into that we're not gonna go into let's, that. let's talk about that that, no. that massive school it was eating around. every single cast uh, i think yeah, i just had the wrong fun. bait so me and brandon had a good time you know i i had this offshore i had a little offshore spot that i found that i was starting on every day and i caught them pretty good but the final day they didn't really want to cooperate they weren't really there in the morning Came back in the afternoon and it was like, voila, there they are. Well, I broke off a four and a half pounder. I lost another big one in the last 20 minutes and they just like, they were there. They were just sitting there. I see them on my Mega 360 and I was so mad. Not, I don't know if mad's the right word. I was just like, if they beat, you like, could win. Yeah, I was like buy, frustrated. And the winning it was fish like, is sitting there. Yeah, Look, I could like, see them. They were there, and I like, I just literally ran out of time, and I like that was so hard to swallow. I'm just looking at like the door was wide open, and I, I just, I just ran out of enough. It was just the door was too far away. I couldn't step through it fast yeah. enough, and so I'm like, all right, we got revenge. Yeah, we're going back <laughs> to get revenge on them suckers. So we we go out there. And like Carl said earlier, the fish, hands down, no doubt, the fish bite better on this lake from 6 o'clock to dark. Yeah. For whatever reason, every day. like Yeah. I pretty much found every place that I fished after 6 o'clock. It was like I'd idle all day and find nothing. And then you'd be like, oh, hey, look at that school bass after 6 o'clock. Almost every single day. And, well, we went back to Kyle out there. Me and Carl started catching them, a lot of really big ones. We caught like thirty three pounds in thirty minutes, and and I mean we just I kept pointing like, hey Kyle, 
there's the school right there. I'd stick my rod on Omega 360 so he could see, like, hey, there's the school. And he's watching both of us cast and reel in these six and six and a half pounders. How, <laughs> to many, be, how to many be, did you catch out of that school? To be honest, I caught zero. But listen. <laughs> but there's always a but. <laughs> but no one technically caught any bass off that crankbait that I had. You caught a, a white bass, which I'm going to narrow it down to the crankbait was faulty. I had the faulty. I picked the one out of the third of the crankbaits on the deck. That just was options. wrong. Then he picked up the good one, though, for a little bit. Yeah, but, it was, it, but no one ever got a bite then after either that. after that. We'd already so caught like, them all. <laughs> they just, like, they bailed. They said, you know what? Like, we know. We hurt. Yeah. <laughs> there we was hurt. a solid minute. Beat. It was, like, legit, like, Carl'd cast, catch one, ready to cast, catch one, I'd cast, <laughs> Reeled would catch one. <laughs> Shoulders I burning. I would just see these guys catching like six pound fish, and like I would just be like really, be like, all right, here it comes. It's just gonna be a second. As my Any arms minute. about to fall off from deep cranking, I've never deep cranked, and I I don't know if my delt or my wrist hurt more today, but yeah, it was it was kind of humiliating. There was one point Brandon was on the phone, and uh, <laughs> this was the best part. Brandon was on the phone. Was Carl, that was, was a talking big to one. Tiff. Yeah, he was. Yeah, you. Oh, you were talking to Tiff. I was. I was talking to Tiff. And uh, Brandon hooks a fish. A spoon. Or, he had a spoon, and hooks the fish. And Carl's tied up, and I'm on the back. I'm or something. He's retired, and uh, he hooks the fish, and then looks for someone to hand the rod <laughs> he to. Can't, he kind of wanted. He it. can't wind it in because he's on the phone with Tiff and didn't want to like. Be rude, and he hands it off to Carl, and he's like, he was like, "It's a bigot, it's a bigot." And I just remember, I was like, "Jesus, this is the most comical thing I've seen." And I stayed sitting down and yeah. just wound it in. <laughs> Didn't even stand yeah. there. Oh, just thanks God. for that. This is fun. Yeah, it wasn't even a bass, so I snagged a crappie. Yeah. It's crazy how fast that stuff happens, though. Yeah, like like and you even, said, you show up like thirty minutes. If you just showed up, you know what I mean. Like you just showed up at a tournament, and like thirty minutes later, they're just like, "All right, we're done." Yeah. And even it, like happen in the tournament like that yeah. too. Yeah, like confidence wise with stuff is like I didn't catch fish on a deep crank or crankbait a week, yeah. and then like Brandon just makes the cast, and that's what like makes you a good angler is being able to just be like, I know now, I know what to do, and just like you see you catch one, and then be able to like cast and get yeah. it down there and be like, bang, got one, big one. Yeah, like it was. It's just like a confidence thing as well. But it's interesting, like sticking to your guns too, like with what you did. And understanding, hey, salvage this. And that's a, like a very yeah. mature thing as like an angler, I'm sure. And it's hard one to swallow because you're like, I know I can get bites this way. I won't win the tournament, yeah. but I know I could do. And you maybe, you know what I mean? Like yeah. if, if some magical happened and it just came together, but it's yeah, like, you, never know. you knew you could catch fish that way. And I've seen Brandon do this too, because I'm sitting there. I'm like, I can watch live when I'm on the boat and I know people are doing something different. And Brandon's just continually sticking to it. And I'm like, gosh, like. Yeah. I wish he'd do this, but obviously I can't say anything. And like, but he sticks to his guns and he'll finish it out. Yeah. And he'll, st and, it, and that's a benefit, which is like wild to see because it's just like, and I think that comes over time too. And you've seen you do it. Like, there is like one of those things where it's like cool to see that like confidence and like, hey, this is how you, this is how you finish a season, not just yeah. a tournament. The long game. Like, yeah. that's what it is. It's like, it's like short sighted will get you hurt like way too much. Like yeah. it's like thinking about that long game, thinking about not not even the classic next year, but like in two years, points, five years, like what is this like gonna do? Like it's yeah. just mm -hmm. instead of trying to win that thing right then and there and like that day or whatever it is and just trying to like hero it and it's just 
it's a rare thing when that actually happens. It's like, it's, 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 it's in everything. It's every career, everything that I've done. It's like, it's who can endure the, 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 over that long amount of time. And it's not about that one tournament. And I've realized like now that like no one even cares, no one thinks about it. And I can't even remember the last time, like, but the last really bad tournament I had that I was super upset with. It's just like, it just gets washed away in a week. It's gone. And like, who cares? And then you're like, you got to have such a short memory in this game because even two weeks ago, I was on the top of the world leading Chickamauga and then like just bang, I blinked and I'm 63rd with my back against the wall going, oh my God, like I'm down again. Yeah. Like what? And I don't know how to catch a bass. My pattern's, pattern's gone away. What am I going to do? Yeah. And so it's that short memory of just like back at it. Do you, do you think that confidence is something that's like fortified over time? Because like I see like older anglers, like there's like something about or like more mature anglers that have been, and you know what I mean? Like they've been, they fished 20 something years yeah. in, in the elites or something. And they have that like confidence that it's, Hey, it's going to be okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, a, yeah. like sometimes it's easy. They don't get as razzled as easy. They have that mindset that like it will, um, regardless of how this tournament is, you could lose, you could come in last place on this tournament and the next tournament is like your thing and it all works. Yeah, It's situational. Yeah. Right. And yeah. They, we, we talk about like the light bulb bulb goes off or we talk about it's like it's like a math mo- equation mm-hmm. right yeah and so in a tournament you're all given eight hours well whose light bulb goes off the quickest usually is the guy that's the most successful yeah. right or at least has a really good event and over time those math equations become easier and easier because you've seen them over time yeah Right. When, when you were a little kid and someone asked you, what's two plus two, it was really hard to figure out. Right. You might've said 22. More, more for yeah. Carl than any of us. <laughs> well, but, yeah. I mean, between yeah. Carl and Vandy, like <laughs> it's a little difficult, but now someone asks you, you know, yeah. two plus two, Kyle. Or, okay. Just wanted to check. Can, can me and Carl <laughs> do like a competition on who's smarter here? Decathlon, a bass decathlon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Running, but, ping pong, yeah. dips, <laughs> fishing. What did I win? You yesterday? haven't won at any of those things that he something. just listed. I won something <laughs> yeah. recently. What did I win? It was like yesterday or something. Pretty hard to think of. Chocolate. Oh, I thought I was gonna. I thought I was gonna win at the. I had one fish and you had no fish at that time. And then oh, you, you thought you were gonna win at fishing out of all <laughs> out of all those things. You well, thought like, you had a chance. for like a solid hour. I had a like a. I, you did I got a super lucky with a crankbait, and then uh, we rolled that spot and Carl. God, just annihilated maybe you. 20 more than i did <laughs> it's like you walked right off a cliff yeah it was brutal but I, I think that's just to use that as an analogy like those those yeah. math problems those equations those variables become easier to figure out they become more second nature yeah. you've where, had more experience yeah, yeah through that experience and that time on the water you're able to look at it and say this, this is what i need to go do yeah right and you, yeah. And you don't second guess it you just have understanding of what's happening on a body of water yeah Um, this is what i've got to do to get this done yeah and it's and i that's why i was saying like i felt like that was a it was a really cool turning point in your career i felt like just watching it from the outside but also having a little bit of an insider viewpoint from talking to you of like how it was going but then listening to you talk through it and then listening to you talk through it again here of just 
being able to make that decision to kind of use the damage control yeah right yeah, to say right. like hey this yeah i just need to salvage this like I, yeah i i didn't i mean i'm not going to say that you didn't find the winning fish yeah because you're catching the right yeah the right size yeah. but you had gotten yourself in a position after day one that you weren't in a position to win at yeah. that time so it's like okay how do i make the most out of this event yeah and and those are small wins uh, right yeah. like those are things that build momentum and build that confidence yeah. and like and i think that's like those things start to compound over time right yeah. and so but when people are looking at the leaderboard like they never know like they're like if you finish yeah. in the 20s or 30s or like yeah a dude could finish 12th every single event and nobody would know that he had a really good year until at the end of the year when he won AOI. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 100%. Like that's how yeah. it works. You yeah. can win one event and bomb the rest and everyone's like, man, you had a phenomenal year. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. was an awesome yeah. year. Yeah. No, Great year, mate. That's what 100% what I realized with what not, why not worrying about what people are thinking? A lot of guys get caught up in it like that are rookies or just getting there like, oh man, everyone thinks I suck. I'm like, trust me, no one cares like that, what how <laughs> yeah. you're doing. Because I usually have one or two really good events every year, no matter what. Like, yeah. you know, matter how bad a season. And all anyone's ever mentioned is them. <laughs> like, I'll be yeah. down in the, like just like worst season ever. And they're just like, man talking about this one that was like five ago that I did yeah. really well because that's what they saw. They saw yeah. me, you know, and some people even say having a great year because yeah. they've just seen those couple good ones. And you're like, well, not really, but I've realized now that no one cares where you, like no yeah. one counts your losses in this game. They only count like your good ones. So it's not stressing yeah. out about, you know, having those bad ones and not worrying about them. But that a lot of it is like, with what you said about the older guys, there's is a turning point too where you actually get over and start going the other way where, you, you know what I mean? The younger guys are like more knowledgeable, but it's all like situational with like finances, where you are in your life, what you have going on, like all of these things that you it's have all, like yeah. are just monstrous. All the fishing. outside All aspects, the outside yeah. aspects have to kind of roll into one. And like I've worked hard on like, all of those outside things because my life's been so chaotic kind of when I move into America trying to figure it all out. It's like taken a long time to be like, I got to get this together because like I've just got in, like, I went from like a very, um, not like sort of like stable life, like had my stuff together for a young guy in Australia. Like I had full-time job, I'm tournament fishing, I'm successful. I'm doing this. I had a house, I had a, my boat and truck, yeah. I had a shop had my things in line and I was kind of getting, I was like getting to a stage where I was just like, I was just having consistent good events all the time mm -hmm. in my tournaments there because all of those things were together. And now it's just like poof, blown up into a million yeah. pieces and I'm in a different country and it, and it, and it, it just took so long to like get those pieces together and like really up and like, Kayla coming into my life and everything it was incredible, but we still had like the back of the truck living in someone's stuff, stuff everywhere. Not all of these little things that you're just like constantly making it hard. And then after having, after the win, just breaking that little breakthrough, it's like that thing of like having 
your own place, your shop, just the things together and you keep putting those things together, like your home life, your relationships, your friendships, building stuff with people like you and successful people around you that are positive and friendships. And then it's like peace, peace, peace. And then you even, that even helps you on the water when you're talking to him. I talked to Swindle. He's been through everything. He'll just like chip at you on one little thing and you're like, okay, and you'll do the same. It's like, there's just so many things that like, for me, all of the things have to be right for me to like have like a clear, like I can just fish now. Yeah. And like, and, and when I went having that sporadic thing, like I was just fighting every day, just hoping I like can get on something and figure it out because after that it was just like kind of crazy. So it was like a grind trying to win and trying to get that in that position to where I can get everything together. Yeah. And it's only like since the end of 2000, last two years that I felt like that's what I've had. That's a perfect segue into the rest of what I want to talk about in this conversation. And I'm going to lead into it kind of from this event and then we'll go down your life of Australian fishing. (laughs) One of the things that cracks me up all the time is that one of the things that you're most confident in doing in bass fishing is throwing a jig, but you had (laughs) never thrown a jig in your entire fishing career until you came to America. Yeah. Which was like, what, a 13 years ago? Yeah. Two, 2011. 14. Yeah. 11 was when yeah. you first came yeah. over. My first so, trip was 2009, but like then when like, I came back was 2011. Yeah. Yeah. So the, you came to America the exact same year that I started fishing the Elite Series. So you, this would be like your 12th year in America. Yeah. You've only been throwing a jig for 12 years, but that's like your, probably what you've been most successful with. Yeah. It's what you won your first elite event with. It's what you made your first top 10 with. Yeah. It's what bailed you out here at Lake Fork. <laughs> yeah. But, like, how... I already know all these stories because we've spent hours and hours talking about pretty much nearly everything that has yeah. gone down. But I want I want everyone else to understand just kind of, like, how difficult it is, like... And I'm just going to start with how much money you had to spend because everyone relates to money. How much money you had to spend just to be able to stay here. Like how much money were you spending in just to keep your, what'd you have a, uh, like a sporting, a sporting visa. Yeah. I got that on my second year here. So, but that's thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yeah, Like every single time. And you have to continue to renew it. Yeah. So for the for for nine years, my first nine years before I got um my my green card, I'd spent just over thirty thousand dollars in legal fees just just to be able to earn money in America. Yeah. So you spent a thirty thirty thousand extra dollars. Yeah. To do the same thing that yeah. the rest of all of us did. Yeah. Yeah. That was just attorney fees and government legal fees, <laughs> and that was like. And that was when you didn't have $30,000. Yeah, that was, yeah, nothing. And I had, and that was like months and months and days and hours of gathering paperwork, meetings, attorney meetings, emails, like paperwork, inches high, like nightmare stuff, trying to put it all together. And you had to do it every three years. Yeah. Yeah. That's ridiculous. (laughs) That is so crazy. That was, and so, and you, you touched on this of like how you were, you were in a very comfortable position in Australia. 
you had gotten to the point where you like essentially you were the guy in Australia. You were at the top of your game. You were winning nearly every event over there. You had won Angler of the Year over there. Like, well, that's what got you here. Yeah. Right. For the first time. Yeah. Because you had won the trip. Talk about that a little bit. Um, but actually even go back a little bit before that, like how you got started fishing over there and then how that transitioned into you wanting to come here and fish and then how you actually got here. Yep. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I just, I had the fishing bug as a kid for some reason, like I was very competitive, um, loved outdoors, loved sport. Um, and, but for some reason, fishing was just like that thing. Like we all have that end up doing this. Mm-hmm. It's just like some people just get it. And some people are like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> yeah. For me, um, when I was about four or five years old, I got a fishing rod and I was on the beach and my family were playing games on the beach, cricket, doing all sorts of stuff on the sand. And like, I sat on the beach with a fishing rod for three hours at like five years old. And like, everyone was just like, you want to come up now? I hadn't caught anything. I was like, nah, I was just intrigued. <laughs> yeah. And then I caught a fish and I like, dad said, whatever you do, don't run backwards. Cause there's cars on the beach where I was fishing mm-hmm. and I hooked a fish and I just sprinted backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I landed this fish and I showed like 30 tents either side of our tent, yeah. like knocking on their tent. Be- like didn't even know. Yeah, didn't even know, just showing them what I'd caught. And uh, they were just like, he's just Little got kid. some weird, yeah, like a good, good job. And uh, I was just hooked from then on. And so I just had that, like, I just had this weird bug, but um, just didn't stop fishing from then on. Um, I just, every chance I could went fishing. My granddad took me fishing with my cousins. It was always an adventure. We went out to the rivers, like in Australia, like you don't, go to a hotel or camp like we were sleep like as kids we slept in sleeping bags under the stars swags which is like a roll-up bed little tents like getting bogged in the mud like just way out way out west like yeah off the bitumen (laughs) which is pavement that's the blacktop no phones back then no service just kids fishing like just just loved it you know it was always an adventure and like my cousins loved it but like I was like next level, like when they're they're loving it, I'm setting lines at midnight and listening yeah. for the bells at night, and like they're all asleep and have eaten, and I'm hearing a bell and jumping out of my tent, bringing a carp in and killing it and yeah. rebaiting and putting it back out there and setting the bell and going sitting in my bed and like not, <laughs> not sleeping, sleeping. <laughs> yeah, for days, and they're like you're psycho, <laughs> and so. Um, just had that in me, had that in me. And then, um, you know, just getting dropped off at the lake. My mom was just, my mom was the biggest supporter of me by far. Like she would, she just didn't want me going into town and doing Like she knew what happened at like skate parks and the in town yeah. and the, like, and I just wanted to go to the lake. So she, she was the biggest champion for like getting up at five in the morning and, making me and I'd hook the boat up and she would drive us 45 minutes away with tents and swags and just drop us off. She knew we were like, okay at the lake. And that's where like all the best adventures and cool stories. And we got in more danger out there than she ever knew. Like (laughs) it was, yeah, like like bad (laughs) stuff, but we were like learning and about, I got into fishing clubs and stuff like that. Started like, I just wanted to go with anyone. Anyone mm-hmm. that would take me, I'm like going fishing. I wanted to learn. And I just progressed from bait fishing, from digging worms, catching yabbies, doing all this stuff to then lure fishing, then 
trolling, catch them on an artificial bait, freaking out, then caught them on a top water. Just and it was just I had a great progression of like not just getting straight into a great boat yeah. and catching them on lures or whatever. Like I had that and that real from digging worms in the chook pen to all the way through little boat. Couldn't believe that someone let me in their boat because I was always on the bank and and then getting in a little boat and just to progress, progress. Like fell in love with that process. Yeah, that process of just continually getting excited about that next thing that was like mm. so cool because this guy taught me this or took me in the in his boat or I was in a kayak. And we just chased adventures and adventures like nonstop until Zach, my mate Zach, he yeah. got his driver's license at 17 and like we were unstoppable. Then like we were, yeah. we, were, we were getting into trouble. Like we're driving everywhere, anywhere at 17. I'm 16, he's 17. We're just packing his truck up. We're going way out west, cod fishing on the river. We were just gone. Like and Essentially the entire – country of australia <laughs> yeah was your playground yeah it was barra fishing cod fishing and like i worked four days a week at a tackle store or i went to school four days a week and i fished friday saturday sunday and then so sometimes monday like i did that every single day from when i was like 13 14 and fished all before that until like i moved here like it yeah. was a, a non-stop deal but when i was about 15 they first started abt which is australian bass tournaments and the guy in a fishing club that I'd fished with and taught me to lure fish, he took me down there and we went and watched it. Yeah. And this one guy, um, Brett, Brett Gunderson, he brought in three or four ranger boats from America. Uh -huh. And so we walked down to the bank and he had these fiberglass boats parked up against the bank. And they were, oh. <laughs> and I was just like, holy cow. Like I'd Sparkles. never seen. Yeah. And so I had a 3.7 aluminium boat <laughs> but oh, what, 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 what? <laughs> yeah aluminum <laughs> alloy um and oh, aluminium yeah, aluminium what you were saying i was like oh that's a weird brand I've heard of aluminium <laughs> aluminium and after that we decked it out like you know like a bass boat like yeah. put all the decking put carpet on it all the rest of it but from that day on i watched that tournament it was the grand final on maroon dam and i watched it and i was like I want to be a part of this. And I was, yeah. I was good at bass fishing by that stage with lures and, uh, an electric tournament come up at another lake. It was three and a half hours away from my house, like out in the mountains. And my mom <laughs> drove me there on like the Saturday, camped <laughs> the night with me that night. And then the next day I got up and I fished, um, electric only tournament and John Schofield, who I told you yeah. about, who was sort of my mentor. He's like the Van Dam of Australia. He, he was the one that got really saw. He just saw a spark in me and he just like unloaded every bit of information that he ever could. And I just like, he saw Absorbed that I was it. a sponge just soaking yeah. it in. If he told me I did it, did it perfectly and did it until I had it like until I had it dialed, perfect yeah. dialed. And then he would teach me more and he taught me, to drive back the boat in like all of that sort of stuff he took me every chance he could but i fished this tournament and he actually got me on a spot and i fly fished and on the last 20 minutes i hooked up and it was a giant bass two it was four four and a half pounder which was a giant it fought like crazy i landed it electric back in i came fourth in that tournament i was 15 years old and i won 500 dollars. and they gave me a 500 check they interviewed me on stage and then my mum, we, we drove back to Toowoomba 
And like I had this $500 check at 15 and I just said, this is what I'm doing for the Did rest of my life. Did you give it all to her for gas money? <laughs> I kept every cent. I was, <laughs> I was a tight you ass. You spent it all on the tackle shop. <laughs> no, nah, it went into my bank account. I was a tight ass back then. I saved like no one got a dollar. I just yeah. put it all away. <laughs> it helped me in the end. <laughs> but um, yeah, then just worked tackle retail from when I was like, I worked, I went into a tackle store, Mullet Gut Marine, our biggest tackle store. And I asked for a job, I think when I was 15. And he, he didn't give it to me. He was like, oh, well, you know, we're all full. And I went back in there and I said, I'll work for free. And he was like, all right, <laughs> start cleaning. <laughs> so I'd like dust the shells and, and just let, lo yeah, just loaded lures up. And then, you know, when I was sick, when I turned 16, he gave me a part-time job and I worked there on Thursdays um, instead of school. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I worked there like on Saturday, Sunday, fish tournaments, like just, just, cr you know, I was just, just obsessed with yeah. it. That's what it took. And then, you know, from there I got really into the tournaments, just fished them nonstop, um, fished as a co-angler for a year and started fishing as a pro out of my little boat. Um, and, uh, and then that's when the prize for our grand final, like our classic was expenses paid trip to America to fish a tournament of your choice in the U S. And so once I realized that that's what it was i started watching like and before that you know just learning techniques i'm watch it was on espn back then so you had to wake up on a saturday morning and it would pay the Bassmaster elite series yeah. on the espn and i'd get up in the morning and watch it and a cut one of them was fred rombanis winning that the tournament on lake murray on the frog yeah and just like the way he reacted and how big it was like i'd just get butterflies like just feel sick in my stomach you just watching that it just wanted to be a part of that. And, you know, a lot of the story behind my is everyone just kept telling me that I would never do it. My teachers, people around me, friends, everyone thought I was crazy. Tournaments were unheard of. Making a living was unheard of. I like missed my graduation. I missed my, like my grade 12, like deal. I missed mm -hmm. birthdays because I was tournament fishing. Like I'm yeah. going like, from when I was 16 to when I was 26, I didn't miss a single Australian bass tournament. And, um, and like, that's crazy. <laughs> nothing. Got, ten, 10, yeah, years. 10 years. 16 to 26. Yeah, 16 to 26, 10 years, I didn't miss a single bass tournament. And I fished every single one Gosh. from two, basically three different states. And then we had AFC, which Steve Morgan, he was the guy that like started ABT, came to America, he saw Bassmaster FLW and he came back to Australia and he started he started that our tournaments yeah. and tried to emulate what they had. And so um yeah, that was the that was the goal. And like, you know, it's taken me a long time to like shake it, but like if I because I get the feeling still now, I had it even on the weekend, is like if I don't catch them and I'm not like doing well, I feel like I'm going to lose absolutely everyone and everyone that ever doubted me is going to be right and I'm yeah. going to fail and not um, – like when I was 16, when I'd fish a tournament, it was like my life depended on it. I was like if I don't catch them here, like I don't have – there's nothing else that I can do. This is the only option and I would take yeah. it so hard when I wouldn't do good because – there was no other options and it's taken me like that long to like, it's, it, it takes me a long time to like throw it because you're just been like <laughs> that much and that much wanting it that yeah. you have to like stop yourself and be like, and it's going to be all right. Like it's, everything's good. You haven't caught well, them before and then it's still going to be okay. You were, but, I mean, you were the guy that said earlier that 
nobody ever remembers your bad ones. Yeah. 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 Was, so you're always you can't get worried about like other people saying that you're never gonna do it and being worried about your tough events. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. just like you said, nobody ever remembers those. Yeah. They're only gonna remember the, the ones, ones that you've done well in. Yeah, it was like so just make them all good ones. I know. Yeah. <laughs> But back then, like, they were, like, my the people that told me I couldn't do yeah. it, like, they were my motivation. Like, they that's all I thought about is if, like, it's I don't do this, like, they're right. And yeah. they they drove me so mad. They told me I couldn't do it for so long that I was, like, there's nothing that I can do that is going to stop me to make them right. Like, if I fail, they're right. And, like, I just wasn't going to let it happen. But it's – And it's, you – like, people need to know this because there's probably some people that don't. When you say bass in Australia, they're not largemouth. They're not smallmouth. They're <laughs> yeah. not spots. Yeah. They're really more like a, a white bass. Yeah. In a, like they're they're an, more like an American like white bass. Yeah. They're in a native Australian bass. They're our own species of bass, but they're like a striper and a white bass cross yeah. hybrid. And they live more like them. A like little bit more schooly, like, but they do do more some nomadic. things. But, yeah, a little bit more schools and chasing shad. So, like, but we... We like I I bought Iconelli's book, Van Van Dam's videos, DVDs, yeah. like trying to get techniques from America that Did it apply? work on yeah, like spinnerbaiting. Like I learned everything I can off Ameri- from by spinnerbaiting from American books. Yeah. So that all came from here. Is that um, how Glenn learned order. how to build basketball? Yeah, a lot a lot of it came <laughs> from that. Yeah. And then he just, you know, he he hardened and did and built them into an Australian yeah. style model. Shout out to Glenn at Bassman. Yeah, he's a champion. Been he and he sponsored me when I was about fifteen, and then I won my first tournament on him when I was eighteen, and Jeez. now they're like selling in America. Like it's, it's that's a, so it's cool. A cool story. Um, but yeah, I um I competed in Australia for ten years till I was twenty six. About twenty at twenty five, I won. I finally won the grand final, which would get you the trip to America. And I come second twice. I come second when I was sixteen. It's just weird how like fate like happens, you know. Like I'm so, like I was, you weren't ready at sixteen. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and when I when I I thought it was the end of the world when I came second. Yeah. I was like that was my shot. Like this was yeah. it, and I blew it. And then I came second like about five years later, and it was the end of the world. And then when I won it, it was just like all those things like that you look back on now. You're just like yeah. I'm so glad I didn't yeah, no, win it then. Goodness. You know? Yeah. You just won came it over right here and blew all your money. Blew it and, and had back. yeah went right. home. Instead, I won it when I was 26, came over, and um, and I fished the U.S. Open, skied it. It was called the Skeeter Trip of a Lifetime. I went to the Skeeter factory. We went to Bass Pro Shops, and, like, this was, like, my dreamland of yeah. for an outdoorsman and fisherman. I couldn't – I could think of anything I could think of America, and I had no idea it was, like, this incredible. I was like, this is the greatest place on earth, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to come back. Yeah. And so how long were you here on, like, on that first trip? I was here for three weeks. I fished Lake Fork, which is yeah. crazy, and I fished with Lance Vick <laughs> so on crazy. the first day. And um, and then we caught him, and then we did a trip here, and then we, we went back to California. And this is what's crazy is Gary Boyd is the uh, the American that used to come to Australia and oh. fish um, for Barramundi. And he used to take some of the trips so the Aussie would win – 
and he's an old, he's older guy, but loved coming to Australia and catching barra, and he'd fish like the top 150 and stuff. Like mm-hmm. he'd done really well. He's involved, but he lived in Reseda, California. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I was about 23 years old, I remember, and um, he came down to the bank, and I didn't know him. I was in Australia, and I'm sitting yeah. there, and he like, had a word with me saying like, you need to come to America. And I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> like I was like younger and I was like, but I like, I didn't believe him sort of thing. Yeah. And he was like, I've watched your fish and like, you come over, you can stay at my place. And I was just like, oh yeah, that's kind of, that's cool. But like, I was just at a stage where I was like, that seemed like saying I'm going to fly to the moon. Like, yeah. Like even the trip to America was like, yeah, that sounds cool. But like, what is he, what he, even is that like i yeah. didn't even know i've never even been on a plane like that's crazy like i'm not going to america and so he did that and then um i won the trip and did the trip over here i went to the u.s open just crazy stuff happened i fished with fred mm-hmm. and i catch i caught him and the whole day i caught him with fred i just pumped him for questions i was like yeah. what do i where's where's this well how does this work what do you fish as a co-angler where are all the tournaments yeah. like i'm just asking him and i whacked him and he just kept saying man you've got what it takes i can see it he's like i fish with tons of people he's like you've got that thing and he's like you you should you should come back and try and i just yeah. got a good rapport with him and had the best day ever and so literally i flew back home to australia and uh i was like talk to a few people and uh, talk to my friends and family. And then I, and that's when I got friends with kind of Casey Stoner, the MotoGP mm-hmm. rider. And I got to fish with him and Jace. Jace actually lined it up because he knew Casey had lived overseas, one of the most successful sportsmen in Australia. And I got to fish with him. Yeah. And Casey said, mate, if you want to make it in fishing, like you can't stay in Australia. He's like, if I stayed in Australia as a MotoGP champion, like I'd still be working at the MotoGP shop kind of thing. Yeah. He's like, he's like, you got one life, man. You got to freaking just have a go. Like you got to go. And I was like, holy cow. Like it was so scary. I was just like, <laughs> but everything told me like, just do it. And, uh, I decided to do it and I sold my truck, had like a nice truck, sold it, had a Skeeter 190 with a 150 Evinrude on it. I sold it <laughs> and I sold like a lot of my fishing tackle. I sold like all anything that I ever had, like I had that I was going to use. And then they did like the tournaments, did a um, Basson tournaments, did a charity event for me and we like raised like 20 grand. Pretty much just like full start over. Just full, like gone, everything gone. I had nothing. Yeah. I went from having everything and then I had the house that I bought when I was like 18 just off retail wage and I got people to rent that and uh, they rented it and I packed one suitcase, had all my tackle boxes in it and then the other suitcase had clothes and reels in it and then it had a rod tube and uh, I hopped on a plane <laughs> and uh, flew across one the way ticket to, it was a day, it was a, Back forward, it was a both way ticket for eighty nine days, and I flew into L A. and I like walked up. You could only stay for night. I only stayed for ninety days, and like I walked up the like the runway (laughs) deal, and Gary Boyd was standing there waiting for me. Old, you know, he was in his probably seventies, and he was the only person I knew. I just emailed him back and forward. And uh, he was waiting at the top there and he said, let's go. And we put my stuff in his car, went back Gosh. to his house. And we that day we hopped in his boat and we started fishing. And he like just started teaching me day one. That yeah. day we went straight out to Pyramid Lake and he started teaching me to drop shot. Yeah. So crazy. <laughs> you literally went all in. Like that. yeah. That's the cool. That's I think that was the first time I've heard that story. Like the f- yeah, like was, pretty full through on it. It was like no, like there was no backup plan. There yeah. was no nothing. And 
what's like what's like the craziest thing is like I pretty much ran out of money by like the end of that year because I had to fly back and forward four times. Yeah. So I flew every yeah every eighty nine days. days so yeah, I like flew leave. back, flew back, flew back. So I did it four times in one year, and that like took up all of my money, and I was jet lagged, and it was. Could you just, imagine uh, trying to do that right now? Yeah, you know, I just oh, never do it. Cost you triple. Yeah, it'd be crazy. Just thinking about doing it was just crazy, but so it much crazy. Stuff, <laughs> so much stuff happened in that, and in the end, after all of that. I, I, I lost contact with Fred and I never, he was the only other person that like I had his email and that was yeah. it. And like he never, he wouldn't answer. Like I probably wrote it down wrong or something, you know, I couldn't get on it. And I met Julie and they had Jackson. Jackson was like river now, Tiny, this yeah, little, little baby. And, um, I was just like, Fred was just like my man, like the way he fished <laughs> and like that day we had and everything. After watching like, him caught, on ESPN yeah, Atlanta, just all of the stuff. And I fished in California with Gary for like almost that whole year. And then in the end, like I'd almost run out of money. Everything was done. And it just, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I'm like this, I was just in California. The bat, the tournaments weren't huge. The tournaments were on their way down and it was like full recession. Like you couldn't yeah. not, you could, no one would help you with anything. Yeah. You just couldn't get any help. And uh, I had a borrowed boat. Um, ben Jarrett back in the day, yeah. I got under him with an email and I met him one day and he said, if you come over, I'll lend your boat while you're here. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things was me and Gary drove all the way from California to, to Texas. Texas, picked up my boat, watched Van Dam win the Louisiana um, Classic. Uh, yeah. And then we drove back. That gave me like sat in the stands, like watching Van Dam win. So I had that boat, but then about it towards yeah, the end. sucked. Towards the end, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watched you, yeah, watched you do it. Like that was when I first and I, I messaged you on Facebook yeah. that year and said, "Hey, I've got a um, nation's boat and it's got a number on it." Yeah. And I said, "Is this your number I boat?" And he, he responded back to me yeah. like some random kid, you know. And then, um, uh, yeah, I was done. I was told it was over. Like I'd had all of this stuff happen, and I was like. I wanted to go home. I was, it was all over. Like my, yeah. the whole thing was over. I was going to go back to Texas, drop my boat off and, um, and, and s- sell the truck and then fly back to Australia. And I hadn't seen an elite series event. And, uh, and I, 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 I just learned to drive. I just learned to drive on the wrong, on the side of the truck and everything. And I'd followed Gary everywhere and I had this GPS and I, and I looked at the, I found the website, Bassmaster website, and it said next elite series event, Lake Murray, South Carolina, um, in like five days. And I've seen the address. I punched it into the GPS and, um, uh, it said like two days and 10 hours or whatever, <laughs> South Carolina, Lake it. Murray. And I was like, all right. So I like got in the truck and filled it up and I just started driving and, uh, I'd, like at one stage, I remember I was driving across and I was like in Arizona or somewhere and I realized that like not a single other human, not a human in the whole world knew where I was. And I was yeah. like in the middle of the desert driving and I just had this realization like, what am I doing right now? Like I was just driving across. Like back then. I know it was one like, person in this entire country. Yeah, I knew one person and no Mom one in Australia. Yeah, like no one knew where yeah. I was. Anyway. I went all the way there. I got there. And when I got there, there was just cars like pack, packing in, just people driving in. And they had this sandcastle of the huge largemouth bass that had welcome like Bassmaster Elite. Mm-hmm. And I can't get a park. And there's people like flooding the stage. And I'm like, holy crap. Like walked up just by myself. 
and I'm like walking up there <laughs> and I'm just watching and there you guys are about yeah. to weigh in. And um and then I watching them weigh in and I'm like, man, I wonder if Fred's gonna weigh in. And I'm sitting there, like in the middle of that crowd. Oh so, wow, that's when Casey won. <laughs> yeah, Casey won. That it. was our last event of the season. Yeah. Yeah, it must have yeah, it was would it have was. been the end of the year it or was. like towards the end of the season. It was the very end of June. And um and I'm like and I'm sitting there and I'm watching it and someone goes, Carl. <laughs> and I'm like looking around and it's Julie Rumbana. She's like, Carl? And I'm like, yeah, Julie. And she's like, yeah, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on. I absolutely and she's have no like, idea. Yeah. And she's like, Fred, you got to come and see Fred. And I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And so she like got me and we went down. Fred weighed in and like Fred just sees me, bro, what are you doing? And I'm like, dude, I'm telling him the story. He's like, are you kidding me? Like he had no idea. I'm like, yeah, I've sold everything. I said, I think I'm going home. He's like, what are you doing now? And I'm like, I don't know. I think I'm going to go and like just drop my boat off and then like head home. And he's like, just come back to Oklahoma with me and stay at my house and we'll go fishing. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. And then it started again. Like I got back going. Process next, started all back yeah, over. Yeah. Next minute I'm fishing with Fred and he's teaching me how to frog fish, teaching me how to jig fish. Yeah. And I'm like going again. I'm like got the spark. Like, oh, I'm back in creek just and then like little that. like little things just kept happening that like just kept me going yeah. crazy essentially living just on the edge of, yeah 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 you on don't the quit. break of going home you don't quit yeah like that's the coolest thing yeah with your whole story and the whole thing is just like Fear you my find heart. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and no and that kind of makes even more sense now it's, it's just crazy to see like your persistence and your perseverance in those things like there's so many times like me like, if you don't love it, and you've said it before, mm-hmm. like if you don't love it, like you absolutely love it, you're you're you'll you'll cop out. Yeah, There's so it. many yeah. times during your story, I'd be yeah. like, well, all right, is, like this... that was a good run, peace out. Like, yeah, but you didn't. Like that's no. that's a testament to like who you are as a person and what, you, and that you found like a thing that you truly love. Testament that's to I, the addiction. Yeah. And yeah, I tell sure. people like the lucky the the bit of luck that I've had is that. I found fishing that I found something that I love that much. Like not mm-hmm. everyone has that. Like that's a lucky thing that I found. Yeah. Like people are like, what do I do? And I'm like, if you don't know what you love right now, spend every second of your day trying to figure out what you do actually yeah. love. Because once you do that, then everything else is kind of like going to come into place because even if you're going to battle it, as long as you're chasing that thing that you absolutely yeah. love, it like doesn't really matter. But most people that I find that are like a little bit lost, they just, they don't quite know what they love, which I understand mm-hmm. because like not everyone just had, like, it's kind of difficult. It's just weird that like some people, like I got that little, I got a bite, I got a bite on something yeah. and it went on my end of my rod and my <laughs> heart raced and I was like, what the hell? Yeah. And I set the hook and my whole life changed. Your body is like, oh, that was cool. Yeah. And it was a cool like, feeling. Yeah. I want to do that and again. I want to do it again. Some people like get that bite and they're like, that was cool. And then they're going to read a book or something, but like that's, it's not them, but there's, yeah. they have trouble finding like that thing that like, this is hundred percent what I want to do. And that's where you're going to find every bit of happiness. But if you don't know what it is, you just got to, the only thing you can do is try and spend every second you can figuring out what that thing is yeah kyle's still waiting for that bite <laughs> yeah he's still waiting for that feeling i'm still waiting for it <laughs> he could that, like fishing deep, deep you would crane. like fishing he would really if love get it. a bite <laughs> yeah he would really love it if he, he would um, love deep cranking if he would get a bite i literally was watching you guys yesterday i was just like that, that looks, looks so fun 
I just want to do it. You got and some then, really like, good videos, though. Yeah, yeah. you're you're I, quick I on your back, feet and got I some videos. Back to like just what I hook know. I'm like, get the camera call. <laughs> it's a big one. <laughs> Don't mess it up. Yeah. Oh, freaking fishing! It, it there is something interesting, like trying to explain fishing to somebody, yeah. and like you you can't really and like trying to explain just the act like, of fishing is different. Fishing. But like mm. just in general, but like. If you, if they get a fish on, like, if they catch a fish, there's, like, a weird feeling of, like, get, like getting that fish in the boat. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, when yeah. you set the hook. And, like, it's yeah. funny because, like, for the, it's still to this day. I see you guys set the hook and it looks so sick. Like, it looks dope. Like, <laughs> yeah. a jig or, like, any kind of hook set. What about when Vandy Hammer And then the I see a camera of me setting the hook and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Like, cause in my head, I picture it just being epic. Good, like, just like, yeah, like, it's like, like that yeah. meme, the yeah. meme where it's like how I feel like I look when I'm running versus how <laughs> yeah, I actually look it's when I'm running. Obviously that. But like, that's, that's, it's, it's funny to see like that. Like that's just if from someone like, catches a fish, like yeah. they, like it's addicting. Like yeah. it's, it is addicting. It's fun. Like mm -hmm. it, until you catch that fish, you don't know what it's like. Yeah. And I still yeah. am trying to figure that out. Yeah. What a six pound. I wonder why that is. I think it's like uh like hardwired in your brain like an ancestral thing yeah it's, it's a bit of like success mm -hmm. it's a bit of like unknown uh, like, What's a, like a survival like, thing yeah, almost and then you're getting it you're, you're fishing for food yeah you know, like your like, brain clicks yeah. like hey that's a that's yeah. a survival skill yeah. yeah you should do that again yeah do you get that same feeling when you build a fire though i mean there's a little bit of a sense like when you yeah. build a fire it's of like, like success yeah. you know, and there's like have you ever been around a fire and not had a sense of comfort? Yeah. Really? I'm trying to think of other like instincts. Yeah. I mean, that would be. Except for it when was, you were like 18 and the cops Like definitely up. not everyone has it because like I spent my, like I, I don't need to catch another fish the rest of my life. As long as I get to like show someone else and watch them catch a fish. Like mm. I love it so much that I just You're want someone else to, no, like I, that, <laughs> I know what you're saying. Like I do want to catch every fish that swims every day. But if I couldn't do that. Go ahead. Go like, week. Don't yeah, catch a bass yeah, for a week. No, I'll go crazy. <laughs> I can't do it. Um, I've wanted to, sh I just, I want someone else to, Feel what I feel, and yeah, not yeah. everyone does it, you know. Some, yeah. but like, it was what's frustrating for me as a kid. I couldn't believe that everyone didn't think it was like the sickest thing ever. I'm like, yeah. and then I would take them, and some most of the time they were like, "This is cool," but like, I got a lot of crap and a lot of like, you yeah. were just you're what you fish. Like, it was weird. Like, yeah. I was a weird mm -hmm. kid, and and now it's cool. Like, your kids, they have the bass boats yeah. and everything. I'm like, you didn't. It's like a cool thing in high school. Yeah, it's now. the coolest thing. You don't have thing. to park yeah. your boat in the back lot and like try to hide it. Yeah, because you're going yeah. fishing after exactly. school. Yeah. yeah. But do you yeah. think? Do you think on that like reverse side of you saying finding what you love, and now it's like, not that you, you almost like are not tricked, but you're you you want you feel like you want to like it. You know what I mean? Like you want You see like the externals of how awesome it is. Like people but like you see don't, the trucks and the boats. Yeah. But like, you don't like love fishing. Like, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you don't love that's the, the thing that's interesting. Yeah. Like seeing you, like oh. I love the simplest act of fishing versus like, I love having a nice boat. I love having oh, yeah. the nicer True. stuff. Like there's a lot of that. There's yeah. a very big well, difference in that. And it goes like in every act of everything. Like, yeah, do you love the thought of it or do you literally love like it down to the simplest form of what you're doing? And like seeing, yeah. hearing you say like, 
I was a weird little kid that would like wait and not sleep and hear the cart bell. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's the yeah. kind of stuff that's like that's when you see like that. Oh, he he like really genuinely yeah. loves this. Like most people, like if you fish with me or Brandon for a week, you'll hate your life like more than anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like, because like you guys catch fish and <laughs> no, not no, because we yeah. don't like practice with us yeah. for a week on a on this yeah. week and or on a rough lake when we are standing up and casting and not catching anything for like we will fish daylight till dark for seven days straight not catch a bass and go back the very next morning knowing that like we're probably going to change like now they're going to bite now we've got a chance and people are like one day i've seen them half a day and they're like this sucks like it's a weird thing like that you just got to have in you and like but i like taking people just take them out good time and they catch a fish that's a different story but like ours what when you're trying to do what we're doing there's like 90 percent of it is like just not that fun like as yeah. in it's a grind it's yeah. hard work and you're putting but it's not a grind to us because we just you love it. but for someone else they'd be sitting there like you said crazy yeah <laughs> what are you doing yeah they just pick up and run 40 miles in like super rough water and just beat and just get like, soaked yeah. and it's freezing and then it pours rain and you're like we're not going in. Like yeah. you, know? you used to think that like uh like when 30, 20, 30 miles, did that used to seem like that was like nearly an impossible amount to run in a boat. So, oh yeah. Like I remember at yeah. home, like on yeah. Coeur d'Alene, <laughs> running from the north end to the south end felt like a monumental feat. And that's like 25, that like that's that was an amazing miles, thing. Right. And I'm like that's a twenty minute yeah, run. Yeah, just pick up and go. That's, like it's that's when nothing. I re- I realized that last time I was in Australia, we we're in a ba- Maddie Langford's bass yeah. boat on one of the bigger lakes that I fished, and like in my boat, I used to say like everyone, you would be waiting for takeoff, and I'd be like, they'd be like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm running to the timber, and they're like, like what? Whoa. Yeah, you're going up the. I'm <laughs> going up insane. the. Bo- I'm going up the Boyne. They're like. Be careful, man. <laughs> we ran there like five minutes in Maddie's boat. Like we just ran up and turned right and like yeah. the arms just up there. As really? well. I was like, this leak seemed a lot bigger when I was younger. <laughs> but it's just back then it was smaller boats and just, I don't yeah. know, things seemed. It's your perspective of it. Like yeah. It, it seemed like such a foreign, yeah. like unknown just, land. Yeah. And then you go back home motor. and like, that was not nearly as far as or intense as I thought it was. How has how has like bass fishing that scene in Australia changed since you've left? You've you've been back and seen a little bit of that, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's um it's still going good. It's going strong. It's had some like ups and downs and stuff. But um, you know, I worked my whole career in Australia. I was on TV, fishing shows. I almost bought the tackle store. I thought I was gonna like sort of lose everything when I like moved to America. I was like, man, all that I did everything, and now I'm just sort of like walking away from it. The coolest part about it all is like my the people behind me and the fans and family and everyone like got behind me more than anything. It was like a bit of a like Aussie taken on America kind of thing where I thought that I was just going to sort of like get washed away in like the bigger picture. Yeah. So it was cool to see that. And then it like, it gave like a lot of the fishermen there, like a big spark to be like, holy cow, like he, he did it. Like I can yeah. do it. And then like, other Aussie anglers started coming over and fishing and doing well. And it just, it, it, before COVID, it was like sparking up really good. And it's awesome to see my cousin, Matty Langford, like he's just dominating everything yeah. over there. 
Well, and he came um, here. Yeah, came here and he, he almost what, won the Fast Nation to, Championship. Yeah. On Hartwell. Yeah, on Hartwell. What place did he like, finish? Third? Th- it, he second, he was third? sitting in third, I think, going in the last yeah. day, which would have got him a classic wow. berth. Yeah. Like, Dang. It's, he barely made yeah. it making a classic. So a lot of the techniques and stuff have just like transferred. They've The swim baiting game sort of came a little bit and went into Murray Cod. Like some of the stuff that I got to see firsthand started to like get more exposure over there and get a little bit more mainstream. Um, but yeah, it's, it's getting bigger and better. I, one of my things that I really want to do is like, um, I don't want to be like, Oh, the only Aussie, like, I don't want to be that guy. Like I just want to be the only Aussie that did this or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I want to try, like I know how impossible it is. And I, I went through the, bit of the storm i don't want it everyone else to have to do that i'd love to talk to bass and abt and get and they almost had it but it's gone away now but just have a little bit more of a direct path to get people to just have a better experience when they come here and have a better shot at like you know fish in the opens or just they have a bass nation team they did but it's gone away now but they um yeah they they need to like sort of get that bass nation started back up, like yeah. what Maddie got in and like yeah. just have an avenue and like even it's so impossible for them because like what are they going to do? Like there's no boat. There's like there's nothing. Like, yeah. How do you get your tackle? So like if I could be a part of it, like they could use my boat or something like mm-hmm. that, like what Maddie did or just have yeah. my contact to be able to do it. But uh, Aussies just want to like you experience know. it over here. They go home with so much motivation <laughs> yeah. and so and brains like, oh just going, yeah, they're just thinking of all the stuff they want to fish. That's um, so cool. Yeah. How, uh, I mean, I guess it's kind of a little bit different, but do, do you think there will be another Aussie fisherman in the elites within the next 10 years? Is that a realistic Yeah, thing? it's realistic, yeah, yeah, but it's like... That yeah, past just the talent difficult. pool is there. It's, it's ta- just... they're definitely talented because they're such all round anglers. They're really yeah. good at catching like a little bit of everything. Um, so, but it's just whether someone's got the ticket to be able to yeah. like go through the storm. You know, that's going to be the that's going to be the you know. And I'd like to be a part of being able to help and make it just a little bit avenue, just a little bit, so yeah. they don't have to go through the crazy stuff. But um, yeah, I think it's definitely it's definitely possible. Gosh, there's so many more stories we could talk about. <laughs> yeah. But we've already been into this for an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, and one one thing I want to talk about just a little bit is the fact that you are a fairly new father. And how has that, and I mean, this may be for some personal uh, study reasons, you know, a little information. <laughs> yeah. How has that changed your your outlook on your tournament fishing? Like how how's that yeah. affected you? Because I've heard you talk about it some, but I want everyone else to kind of hear like how that just mentally changed your outlook on everything. Yeah, it's 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 almost impossible to explain because people have explained it to me before, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm sure it's great, you know. And it yeah. and you just you, you you just can't you can't fathom that you could have that kind of love and joy like in you for anything. It's yeah. impossible to even imagine. And so without kids, like I can't believe how like not selfish, but like how 
you just had you kind of self if you don't have well, kids you've just got you and you worry about how what yeah. you're going to do what are your dreams what are you going to do to have fun what are you going to do for work what's going to be the next yeah. adventure what's it's all a little bit all about you how you're going to be happy and like when this thing that you made gets born and you've got it in your hands like nothing you think about for yourself ever again like you just it's just like None of that external sort of stuff matters. You're just like, yeah. what is – what? and so for me, it's like um, when when I've been on the water, when I get that feeling of like I'm going to fail, I'm going to lose everything because I've lost everything twice yeah. over here. I've gone fully yeah. bankrupt. I've had to go home. I've got – I've gotten kicked out of like got my dream and got kicked out of the elites. Like that's just a whole nother story. Like I've lost things twice and all of those times I thought if I lose that, it's the end of the, like it's the end of the world and Mm. I've always dug myself back and it's been fine. And I'm like, why did I spend all that time like stressing and worrying about that when it ended up working out all right anyway? Um, For me now, it's like when I was out there fishing, I got that little glimpse of like, (laughs) I'm three fish, I'm going to come 70th, I'm dropping in the points, all of that, just that little bit of negative energy that mm-hmm. wants to grab you all the time. It's like the devil's just like trying to like get a hold yeah. of you. It was just like, I'm going to go home and kiss River and hug Kayla when I get home and I've got my camper and I'm fishing the elites right now and I get to, and she's just at home and she's happy and it's just like, I felt my shoulders just be like, <laughs> and I was like, Fishing, like, yeah, I'll go flip a jig. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go fishing. Like, life, life's good, and um, and it's like, it's made a positive impact. It's just a huge positive impact, and like, I just feel it's, it's yeah, it's not even, yeah, it's it's not even explainable. It's like, I don't even want to like everything is a thousand times better, but I almost don't want to do anything without them too. Like they make yeah. everything better without them. Like I don't really want to be grinding doing it, but with them I'll like run through a brick wall. Like I'm just yeah. like, they give me energy. They give me like love, like just, and then like makes all those struggles. Worth yeah. It. Worth it. And you want to do that and you want to like struggle and you'll do anything in the world for them as long as they're okay. Like yeah. it's just, it's a, it's a powerful thing. Like you're stronger, you've got more energy. You look with a better heart at different people, different things, like especially a little daughter. It's just, it's a, it's another level that I never could have imagined I'd have. Like I thought like I've done a lot in my life. I've reached pretty cool pinnacles. I still got tons to go, but like then having her, it's just like, I've just got so much ahead of me and so much more cool stuff to do. It's like, but not saying that it's not, yeah, (laughs) it's not that it's the most, it's the hardest thing that I've ever done. And Kayla goes through 10 times more. Like she's make, she makes my time with river, like amazing. Like I'm lucky. Like if Kayla wasn't who she is, it it could be like a lot more stressful and a lot more, but Kayla's an amazing mom. And, and she makes my time that, that I get with river, but I literally like don't want to miss a second. Like I can't wait to get off the water and like I want to fish all day. And then I like getting off the water. It's like just a joy. And um, you do, you don't want to miss a single second of them growing mm-hmm. up. I realize like people that have to work full time jobs and be away from their kids. I'm like that's got to be like tough. Yeah. Like that makes me feel so lucky for like kind of the life that we're creating and setting up that we get yep. to spend so much time together. And I get to be. I don't want anyone else to raise her. I don't want anyone yeah. else to influence her. I want me and Kayla to be like a bigger part of, you know, 
as yeah. big a part of her life as I can. So it was like all, all of like all that hard work just leads to that. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Getting up and checking exactly. the bells on the river. Yeah. Catching carp. <laughs> yeah. Rebating the hooks. Yeah. You know, like all of that drive comes full circle to this child and all of that allows you to then be able to be in a position that you do get to spend that time with her. Yeah. That you do get to, yeah. you know, that Kayla gets to travel with you. You get to have this Lance camper that you're Love. able to have this life that like you're fortunate to have. Yeah. You know? and me, 100%. me and Tiff talk about that. We're like, like we get to spend more time together than yep. most people Anyone. do, yep. you know, because, and, is it hard? Yeah. It's a yeah. really hard lifestyle. Like, yep. There's a lot of things that you miss out on, but there's also so much positive yep. to it. And, yep. and it, it all comes, it's all True. because like there was a level of selfishness. Right. Yeah. And, and I remember when me and Tiff first started dating and like we had that conversation of how selfish of a sport this is. Yeah. Because it is, there's a level, because it it's such a time commitment yep. that there's that level of selfishness, uh, but it's it's having that balance, right, of, like, knowing when you need to be selfish. Yeah. But by being selfish, you're also being selfless Yeah. at that same time, right? The, because you're doing it for a different reason. Yeah. Before you were making those decisions based on how like you advance for yourself, but now you're making those same decisions, but it's advancing like your career for your family, right? Yeah. Like making yeah. those decisions for your family, which is also my family. So don't forget that. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it like, it's funny. Cause for me, I mean, I haven't been around like a ton of like little babies, but even like just, seeing her she's my second cousin so like there's a level of bloodline there and it feels different than if it was just like someone's yeah. baby oh yeah like just a yeah. fan baby at yeah. a tournament or something yeah. it's like oh that's a cool baby like yeah, yeah. but then i i yeah, see riva and i'm like she's part of me like, like, yeah, like, like let yeah. me hold you like <laughs> yeah. you're really, like yeah. a cool little baby like you're part of the family you know yeah. and it's and it's like not even my kid but i I feel just like a little bit of that difference. Yeah. Which is really cool. And it just like, all I think about is like how major of an influence so many people are like from when you're that age, like <laughs> River's like a happy baby and she's like, yeah. and it's like, that's not by like, nothing's really by luck. Like we are trying to put our positive, good, happy vibes like into her. Yeah. And, um, you know, something I, I say all the time, like, <laughs> through my, the, through the different people, like I watch motivational things, I look at a man, all of those positive different things, and the one thing that I hate is that like people, teachers in my life, like they kind of beat me down to where like I thought that I like, wasn't good enough or didn't deserve to have these things. And they yeah. did it so much that I still believe I have to fight it yeah. every single day. I'm mm -hmm. <laughs> 37 years old, and I'm like can be fishing out there and be like, yeah, of course I'm not going to win. Like that's not 
for me. Like, because this, yeah. this, this is too good. Like, I shouldn't be able to do this because they've beat it into you so bad. And then there's other people that their family and their people have like talked them up so much that you can do anything that their mindset saying, I can win this. Like, yeah, of yeah. course yeah. I can. And then they win. And so, like, for me to win and do, I've got a, I'm like a, I'm back, I'm in a, like, the fight of my life the whole time. And I'm like, I hate thinking, like, someone else did that to me almost yeah. a little bit where Gary V and their, when you talk to him, his family just told, his parents were like, you can yeah. do anything that you want. So, like. Almost to a fault. Yeah, to a fault where yeah. he's so confident, but, like, that confidence results in, like, continual press forward. And when you get shut down, it's not a, oh, why me? Or of course that would happen to me. Yeah. It's like, bomb next thing. Like I'm going, I'll just win the next thing and yeah. not like let that take you down. We're like, I've gotten so lucky that I had some sort of fight in me. Like why fear my heart is my thing is because my heart got me just through those things of like, maybe I can do it. Maybe I can. And like my confidence and everything is built up. But like I would be tenfold ahead of where I am now. I can't imagine if I had that, confidence in that thing of like being told you can do whatever you can because i mm -hmm. got told that i can't do anything that i shouldn't do that and you can't do that my whole life so like i just look at river and i'm like she's like a blank cam canvas mm -hmm. and like this is what in what we are going to paint on her is what she's going to come out and like she's yeah. going to know that no matter what she wants to do she's going to be able to do it yeah. that's my number one thing like she's going to go through life saying if you want to do that do that that's a hundred percent it yeah and no one in, in any form is going to like put their impose their will on her to say like you can't do that yeah unfortunately like our teaching system and all of that is that's a big part of it it's just broken you know yeah. i knew how to catch fish cook them tie knots camp light fires make tents drive across the country back boats in and i was considered like the dumb kid of the school <laughs> yeah and i was like um and i just felt everyone just said i was like this dumb fisherman and I was like, and I knew how to do all these survival things that were tenfold better than anyone, but yeah. they knew like mass and long division and stuff. And I was like, it didn't, it didn't click with me. I didn't yeah. Yeah. know it. And then I didn't like reading, but I could read a fishing magazine back to front, could write my own fishing article in two seconds, <laughs> but that wasn't enough. Yeah. You had to write about this. And I'm like, I don't, that, I can't I don't even care understand that. that. Yeah. Like, no, it just all makes sense now when you look at it. I'm like, oh, man, the whole thing is just broken. But, like, I got through it. And the thing is why that adversity is probably good is because maybe if I did get told I could do anything or you could have anything, I wouldn't have had that fight in me when it did go wrong. Yeah. So I don't know. There is a balance of yeah, knowing, sure. like, you're still going to have to fight. You're going to have everything. Yeah. But you're going to have to fight through some tough stuff. It's yeah. not going to come to you. you got to earn it. You're going to have to earn it. And as long For as sure. you can – as long as you can teach them that, you're going to have to yeah. work hard, fight through anything, get your back against the wall, get knocked down, get back up, but still be anything. I think we'll, I think she'll like, that's the key. Not just say you can have whatever you want. It's going to come yeah. to you like easy. Yeah. You want to make sure that like she has something that she loves, that she's passionate about, that she's willing to fight for willing to work and, for it. and willing to work for. And, uh, and then that that's really all you can ask for, right? And then you then the try to help like, navigate that yeah. yeah, as best you can. Uh, we're an hour and 40 minutes into this thing. I don't even know what time it is. We started this thing super <laughs> late. So uh, where can people follow you 
into these adventures, right? <laughs> like where just let people know uh and and also let people know where they can get the fear my heart stuff cuz you got some super yep. cool cool clothing. I wear it quite often. Yep. Uh, just because I believe in what it stands for. Uh, so just give give everyone a little taste of where they can get that stuff. Yep. Um, my All my socials are just my name, Carl Jockemson, just C-A-R-L-J-O-C-U-M-S-E-N on YouTube, just Carl Jockemson, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And then uh, the Fear My Heart, It's gonna you're going to see it ramp up on a lot of my stuff. Brandon's like hooked us up with a, a great company that we're going to have like a lot just – we actually got Fear My Heart trademark now in US, Australia, and Europe, and so it's ours. We've got it, and we're going to really start ramping up and getting more uh, more product and stuff out mm-hmm. there. And uh, you can just get on fearmyheart.com and check out uh, all the new uh, clothes and and, uh, and apparel and stuff like that on, on the website. But, yeah, it's been – Brandon's awesome. been a, a massive supporter of mine and, uh, and you know – just there's tons of stories when Brandon bought me a laptop back before he ever knew me <laughs> and uh hardly knew me. I was I was trying to edit videos on a PC and it kept crashing on me. Or one of them you said, How come I can't watch that? And like it was so it was blurry. <laughs> it was blurry. And I I said, I'm editing on this PC. And then at the next event, um, walked into the uh Douglas Open and I think you either had it or we went to Best Buy or like Tiffany walked in and gave me a yeah. bag and they bought me a, a MacBook Pro and yeah, I had I Tiff go editing. pick it up in, yeah. in Knoxville. But yeah, no, the support has been incredible and just having people like you and Kyle and and just people that you can talk to about positive stuff and future and business and fishing and all of yeah. that. It just makes such a big difference. You got to get those right people around you and that's what I've been one of the most fortunate things that I've had, I've constantly had positive people around me and when they're not, they don't last very long around me. Yeah. And if I can't change them, then then <laughs> they're not around long, but I'm just lucky that so, I've yeah. had yeah, positive people around me because that just makes such a big difference. So appreciate you guys. You got any awesome. final words, Kyle? I was going to say, we're, we didn't, we're definitely yeah. going to, I feel like yeah. I was on the sidelines a little bit, but uh, we're going to need Carl back for like a, an episode Another one, maybe two or three or four, or five. Yeah. Uh, oh, we have so many. But I, I <laughs> we have hunting stories, yeah. we have fishing stories. I f- yeah, I feel like we barely scratched the surface. Yeah, no, we like, can just we and, and we should just we we just need to just just talk, you know, because like, yeah. there's so many. We'll stories probably pop have up you and, come on back on with, when Josh is. Yeah, here too. I'd like to be on with Josh just because I know like yeah. Josh is not going to talk himself up at all. And no, I know, we'll have like, to dig it out of him. I know a bit. lot of the inside stuff of just how like he's. He's the real deal. He's yeah. been through the grinder, and um, and his story is worth telling. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, we'll get Josh on. We'll get you back on yeah. most likely when we have Josh. You got any wise words? I was just curious. You or uh, Bandy? Where Toowoomba pasta is actually made. <laughs> <laughs> At our back steakhouse in America. <laughs> By, by a 16-year-old kid that, like, shouldn't be cooking, probably. <laughs> hate to break everyone's heart, but uh, the Bloomin' Onion's not a real thing. Yeah, Bloomin' Onion, Toowoomba um, Pasta, what pretty else? much nothing from there. Bitumen, Foster's isn't a thing. That See, I told you. Yeah. Shrimp on the Barbie isn't a thing. You've never said that as, like, you no, went on a beach and no like, hey, throw some shrimp on the Barbie. No Australian has ever <laughs> Had those words come out of their mouth in a serious manner. <laughs> in like, Only that's actually, I want to, yeah. 
Let's say, let's say, <laughs> if you were going to cook shrimp get on some, a barbecue, get what some would you prawns say? in cold prawns in paper. <laughs> that would be what it would say. Really? Like cold prawns, they get like newspaper, and the guy just scoops cold prawns in it and wraps it up and gives it to you. Uh, That's what crocodile Dundee isn't really either. Crocodile Dundee's not real. Paul, Paul Steve Irwin was though. Steve Irwin yeah. is the real deal. <laughs> yeah. He, he was, was the, the real, real deal. deal. Yeah, ah, that's good stuff. Yeah, we'll go uh, through some. We'll go through. We'll have to do like a American Aussie like transfer crossover in one of them and just see how many different like versions there are of all the different sayings. Yeah, like bitumen, pavement, spanner, I, wrench. <laughs> I mean. I've been hanging out with you for a long you know time, what. and I know a lot of them. And there's still spanner. What was it, spanner? <laughs> yeah, there's still ones that come out of your mouth. I go, what? The the bitchman one's one of my favorite ones. Like <laughs> when we we're elk hunting this year, we started going down a gravel road, and it's just rough as all get out. And he goes, "Man, it's way better on the bitchman back there." I'm like, "What?" I'm like. Please don't tell me that means pavement. I'm like, bitchman? <laughs> what does that even mean? He goes, you know, like the like the pavement. I said, seriously? And then I tried to get it like all philosophy, you know, like get the history behind like where it came from. And we Didn't couldn't know. really figure that no. out. We got to hear more called. about the, the hunting stories later, too. We will. On the next episode. And yeah. then maybe one time you'll come and you'll film a hunting episode I will be with on us, the next hunting we'll episode. And we'll actually have a video I will. about it gonna happen believe it when i see it yeah well, he needs to film the first elk the bow start taking sick. bets on that you're you're currently on the the more of a hunter side than a gatherer now with the turkey yeah, so turkey fell i believe turkey in you had what's coming <laughs> oh gosh this is gonna turn into a trash talking episode yeah, real quick if we don't get up we're we, we, on the rails we've good though i was we've been holding back like someone a lot of us talks and we like want to just like cross over and just start giving you hell yeah it keep, go, it, keep it keep it keep it even <laughs> everything's going good <laughs> everybody play nice <laughs> everyone just say something nice about carl it's about him <laughs> all right i appreciate right. you guys listening this was awesome uh again be on the lookout for uh, a couple more episodes we'll have carl on again we're gonna have josh douglas on next Got some good ones coming up. Appreciate you guys listening to the Outdoor Burrito. <laughs> nice, Kyle. Nice.